I could relate everything back to the imposter complex. That's how I saw the world. And I'm a pretty prolific speaker. I do a lot of talks. And somewhere along the line, I couldn't ignore the fact that in the Q&A section of every time I would do one of my talks about you know, the, the structure of the imposter complex, what to do about the imposter complex, there would be somebody who would stand up, generally a woman of color, would stand up and say, this is fantastic information. I'm super grateful to have these tools and these resources and, and this deeper understanding. And what do I do as, as a black woman who is told by her white colleagues that I don't belong here? Hi, this is Bridget Lyons, your host of the podcast Ally Podcast. Today's interview was recorded well before the pandemic when I originally started creating content for this podcast. The launch of the podcast was put on hold for months due to personal challenges that I had that came about due to the pandemic. So while it might have felt more timely for me to release this episode back in the spring when the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmed Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor sparked a new wave of protests and conversations about white privilege, about allyship, about how we can engage with tough conversations about race, power, and privilege, I wanted to release this episode because it feels as relevant as ever. We recorded this before the increased interest and attention in the Black Lives Matter movement. And so it isn't about any one event, but instead I brought on my guest, Tanya Geisler, who hosts the Ready Enough podcast to talk about how she launched her podcast specifically to move herself outside of her comfort zone and understand the intersectionality that impacts her work with the imposter complex. I wanted to talk to Tanya to find out what it was like to create a podcast where you knew and explicitly set out the goal going in that every conversation you had, you were gonna be learning along with your guests and possibly getting things wrong in a public way. In this conversation, Tanya is incredibly candid about the tough realization that led her to start her podcast, why she felt the need to step up as a coach and a leader to better understand all the identities that impact someone's experience with her subject matter, what you can do when you realize you don't have the expertise to help someone who approaches you, when you realize that there is a gap in your knowledge or your experience that you can fill, and how she navigates sensitive topics, and how you can get more comfortable with the fact that you will make mistakes and move on anyway. As a last note before we get on to the interview, in this conversation, Tanya gave some advice. She talked about how when you make a mistake in your podcast, you should own it up front. Don't edit it out, don't delete it, but let it be a learning experience for yourself and for your audience. So I wanted to call this out, you'll hear it later in the interview, but during the conversation, I use some ableist language. I'm not gonna mention it now, I do later. Maybe this will be an opportunity for you to try to spot it when it happens. I decided to leave it in and to call myself out here. Working on the ableist speech within my own language is something I've been working on for more than a year now. And I will say that I know that changing your language habits and your speech patterns is not easy. But for me, it's more important to prioritize other people's experiences of micro and macro aggressions and how my speech makes them feel that's much more important to me than my own comfort or being lazy with my speech. So this is a decision that I made for myself and hopefully that this is a good learning experience for you if the concept of aimless language is new. Okay, let's get into the interview with Tanya. It is incredible. She is such an authority, which you'll be learning more about. 
And I hope that you enjoy this conversation and get as much out of it as I did. Well, Tanya, we scheduled this conversation a full month ago, and I have been looking forward to it ever since it got on the calendar. And as we get started today, I should let our listeners know that you and I were in a mastermind together around the time you started conceptualizing your Ready Enough podcast. And at the start, before you even had a name for it or a fully fleshed out concept, it was really apparent that you were going to be making yourself vulnerable through this project. Let me just pause here. For those of you who don't know Tanya Geisler, she is the authority on the <laughs> imposter complex. Um, we were talking before we hit record. She's been teaching these concepts for eight years with the name imposter complex, but actually kind of developing and fleshing them out much longer than that. And whenever I think about this topic, this big bucket that a lot of people talk about now, I really think about Tanya Geisler and how she was the one who brought this into the consciousness around entrepreneurship and how imposter complex impacts how we show up in our businesses and our lives everywhere. So I think that it's really interesting that your work is on the imposter complex, that you're the authority on that, and that with Ready Enough, you're exploring the limits of that perspective that you have. You're bringing on guests to look at how the imposter complex intersects with race, privilege, ableism, sexism, trauma. I could go on and on about the intersectionality. <laughs> and that's where I wanted to start today. So can you share a little bit of what came up from you, for you when you started deciding that you were going to have these conversations that you were saying that are taking you to the edges of your own expertise and authority? What was that like to start planning the podcast? Well, first of all, I'm going to just like, I got to acknowledge that is by far the most uh, beautiful introduction I've ever witnessed. Uh, so oh. thank you. I am printing that out. That is going in what I call my yum and yay folder, which is a, a physical thing that I have when I'm feeling less than in any way, shape or form. So thank you so much for that deep, beautiful acknowledgement of my work. I really, really, really appreciate it. So thank mm -hmm. you for that. Well, you are welcome. It is so well-deserved. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what came up for me? <laughs> a lot. I mean, you know, you, you can imagine, right? I'm literally saying I'm going to create a program, a, a, a show that challenges everything I have stood firmly on for a very, very, very long time, but I needed to, to be an in integrity. Let me just sort of back up and say, you know, for the longest time, I actually remember the first time I said these words, and it was sort of a cute, funny little thing that I would say um, about the imposter complex. I would say, I'm like the father in my big fat Greek wedding that can tie every single English word back to the Greek language. I can do that with the imposter complex. So I can, I can make through lines for any sort of suffering or whatever it is. I can relate it to the imposter complex. And at some point along the line, it was sort of like a ha ha ha. Here's how people pleasing relates to it. Here's how this relates to it. Here's how your profit margin relates to it. Like I could relate everything back to the imposter complex. That's how I saw the world. And I'm a pretty prolific speaker. I do a lot of talks. And somewhere along the line, I couldn't ignore the fact that in the Q&A section of every time I would do one of my talks about, you know, the, the structure of the imposter complex or what to do about the imposter complex, there would be somebody who would stand up, generally a woman of color, would stand up and say, this is fantastic information. I'm super grateful to have these tools and these resources and, and this deeper understanding. And 
what do I do as, as a black woman who is told by her white colleagues that I don't belong here? Oh my gosh, Bridget. Mm. Every single time that I would get that, I would blanch because, you know, my, my response was always insufficient. It was, oh, well, that's, you know, egregious. I am so sorry for that as your lived experience. And that's harassment. That's racism. That's, that's, that's misogyny. That's not the imposter complex. And I was having a hard time sort of parsing between the two. And I realized that I had fallen into a trap that so many of us do in the self-development space is we use a very wide brush to paint everything. And once I, oh, I, I just feel the flush in my cheeks right now. Once I realized that that's what I was doing, I was like, I, I can't, I just can't do that. So I recognized that in the words of my friend, Stacey Jordan Shelton, we might be sharing a common space, but we are not sharing a common experience. And so I wanted to be able to parse through when it's the imposter complex and when it's something else. And, you know, the imposter complex has three main objectives. It wants to keep you out of action, doubting your capacity, and alone and isolated. So it's really easy to assume that that's the imposter complex everywhere. But what if it isn't? What if it's transphobia? What if it's alcoholism? What if it's something else? So that's the whole point of the show is to understand when it's something else. I'm just letting that sink in here for a moment, which I realize does not make great audio for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but I'm struck by thinking how much better of a place the world would be if we were all willing to kind of look at our own work and through those kinds of lenses and think about what are those limits and where are the places where we're simplifying complex topics and not out of any desire to do any sort of harm or minimization at all. Because like in the examples you're talking about, the imposter complex does come to play. It is part of that conversation and it is a t- tool for people to use. And yet there's also more at play and you you can't really move forward as that person in that space without working on both, I think, at the same time or having tools for both at the same time. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Well, I know that as you were getting started, you had these experiences and questions that people are asking you. And so when you started designing the podcast, did you start with like, here's a list of topics that keep coming up that I know I need to bring someone to talk with? Were you like, I have all these people. I just, I want to pick their brains. Like, how did you decide who you were going to bring on the podcast first to have these conversations? Well, the first person I brought on was my social justice coach, Desiree Attaway, because she was the one I was having the conversations with like, okay, so here is this, here's this thing. Um, and this keeps coming up. And I feel like I am addressing it in a very insufficient way. So it, <laughs> no surprise that Desiree was the, was the first person I had on. Um, and she's just, I mean, just an absolutely brilliant person, mentor, friend, teacher. I just absolutely have, have all the time in the world for Desiree. So she was the, my very first, and, and we had had conversations about, uh, so I'm going to have to back up and, and say this slightly differently. If we concede that the center of the universe is, or the center of a universe that many of us that are listening inhabit would be that white, able-bodied, cishet, um, 
neurotypical, able-bodied dude living in North America of middle-class means. For every concentric circle that we are distanced or othered from that center, we are going to have an exacerbated sense of the imposter complex, right? Mm-hmm. So I recognize that I'm just like one concentric circle away from that center. So where are all of the other places that I don't have the same lived experience of people and that I want them to have understanding and framework around how they have been marginalized, othered, oppressed. And when we get to it being the imposter complex, once we parse through, I'm, I'm your person, but I want you to be able to work with somebody or speak to somebody or, or have a teacher who can speak about your lived experience because I'm not for everybody. So that's really the, the place that I started in, in my talks was, listen, I, I can only speak to you from my lens of experience as an able-bodied white, you know, cisgender woman of North, you know, Middle class means living in North America. That's the perspective from where I approach this. So if you have a different lived experience, I can help you to find the resources, the teachers. And so this podcast was really, really me walking my talk. And great, let me be clear, great discomfort. The imposter complex, this is how meta everything gets, really insists upon perfection. It really insists that we get this right. So the whole invitation of ready enough is just that. These conversations won't be perfect and they matter. Yeah. I I just had a conversation with one of my own staff members <laughs> yesterday and I said something just really offhand and so dumb to her. And I was just thinking like, the challenge is, is that the more you're aware of these issues, the more you see your own blunders. Yeah. And it was one, she's wonderful. She's worked with me for a really long time. She knows who I am and what my heart is and how I try. But at the same time, mm. I'm like, oh God, would it just be better? You know? Right. And, and, and I'm doing that privately within my own organization and my own staff. You're doing this publicly on a podcast that, you know, people can listen to at any moment. And I just can't even imagine like setting yourself up to have those conversations. And, and I imagine you must have like grounding practices you would have to, to, to be able to make it through those conversations without having that voice creep up. I mean, how do you kind of stay in that during those conversations with people where you might be feeling this discomfort or go to the place that I think a lot of us do, which is like, I'm really worried about what I'm going to say here, or I know I'm going to say the wrong thing. Does that come up for you? And and what do you do in that moment? Well, one of the things I've been saying for a bajillion years, there are these 12 very specific lives of the imposter complex. And one of them is you must not tell anyone about this, Mm -hmm. right? So like, do not let anybody know that you were experiencing this because then it will erode everybody's confidence in you. And now it's tricky because that's line number, I can't remember now if that's five. The other one is you must tell everyone about this, right? So as an oversharer, um, so it's, we need to find our, you know, our sacred ground as Brene Brown, I guess would say, what's the distinct, what's the place between acknowledging that, that you're excited to be here and nervous because it matters and then oversharing. And so I just really root into the truth of, I'm nervous to be doing this and I'm excited to be doing this and nervous because it matters because, and I know that 
um, that through me showing up authentically, me honoring my word, uh, me being obedient to my vision, will be of service to other people. I just, I just know that. Um, I have no delusions about you know being put on a pedestal or anything like that. But and I, but I do recognize that ha- people have certain projections about the way I show up and move through the world. I've been doing this for an incredibly long time, <laughs> an incredibly long time. I just realized it's 16 years since I've been running my own business, which is wild. Somebody called me like a like a, a, a foremother of coaching. I'm like, that's not right. But anyway, but I think people have a, 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 an understanding of, of me and how I show up in the world. So to, to watch me fumble, you know, I, I hope it doesn't erode people's confidence, but I hope that they, can, they recognize that, again, I'm excited to be doing it and nervous because it matters. I just, I love that so, so very much. I'm going to, I wrote that down for myself. <laughs> I'm nervous yeah. because it matters. Yeah. And one of the things I've been working on with myself is even thinking about in those moments, like what are my values and just what's the approach that I want to take according to them. And I think that's exactly this, right? You're, you're saying like, I've been teaching these tools. I've been teaching mm-hmm. the ways that the imposter complex either wants to keep me silent or have me overshare. And so it's kind of amazing you're able to bring those tools into this project and, and model them for the rest of us also yeah. through what you're doing with the podcast. Thank you. And that, and that really, for me, is, is the integrity piece. Like really, you know, that, that feels very, very, very important to me. Um, and one of the things, you know, the part of the reason I started with Desiree's work was, um, a for all of the reasons I've just said, but she teaches a framework um, called liberatory consciousness, which is, you know, and I, I know that you know this, Bridget, but there's, mm-hmm. you know, it starts with awareness, um, and then we need to do our analysis, and then we take action, and then accountability. And so often we we bypass that analysis piece. So this is again me kind of walking my talk of doing my own analysis, and, and it's 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 great for me to say like, sure, well, I'll help you find other resources, but if I'm not having the conversations with, you know, folks who are neurodivergent, like I can't, you know, I, I need to understand that. I need to understand, you know, maybe where I've caused harm or where I've been ableist, and really understand that. And I think the other piece that I bring in is something of a beginner's mind, but you know, a, a desire to serve in the highest and do no harm. So I just want to be mindful that, you know, I don't just like go, go into an interview, like ready to just completely splash around and, and not take responsibility if my, if my words are clumsy. I mean, I absolutely do. But I've, I've learned that you can do your research, but don't, but don't make any assumptions. And that's the whole point of these conversations. Like, I'll give you an example. Dina Nina Martinez is an amazing comedian. Uh, I met her in Wisconsin and she, she's trans and (laughs) I had done my due diligence. I had thought I had done my due diligence and what I knew, I hope you can see the air quotes on new to be true was that trans folks prefer you to ask their pronouns. This -hmm. is what I knew. Now I hope you can all hear the massive assumptions, the huge, like the, 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 the really wide birth here. It's, it's, it's preposterous. That's what I knew. And this was within the last, I don't know, six months. Um, so I asked Dina, Dina Nina Martinez with this, all the confidence of, you know, 16 year old YouTuber. Um, doing makeup. <laughs> um, so this is what I know to be true. And she said, hell no. If somebody asked me my pronouns, I would, I am so obviously she, I would be mortally offended. 
Mm. Like, of course, of course. And so that's the other thing I, I, uh, you know, it's a big project here, right? So it's, it's not boxes that I'm taking with having conversations with, with, with different folks. Like, okay, I've, I've had a conversation about anxiety done. No, it's not like that. There's a million different nuances and, and layers uh, to it. So this is like, this project will never, ever, ever end as long as people want to have the conversations with me. We'll be having these conversations. I, I've actually lost track of what you just asked. <laughs> I need to share that Dina Martina's story. <laughs> well, I actually, all of this has brought another question to my mind and I, this conversation that you're having right now, because part, part of what you're saying is that, or what you've said is that the podcast emerged from this place where you were having these experiences in your talks, where you realized that you needed almost more tools or to understand the, the boundaries of where the imposter complex kind of like what it occupies and where it intersects with other things. And so you're having these interviews and broadening your understanding. And I would imagine that that's informing the, the work that you're doing and the talks you're giving it and how you're showing up. And the thing that this brings up for me, and I, I'm almost positive, I know your answer, and I just, I really want to hear you say it, which is like, how do you then incorporate the awareness and understanding of these issues into your work without kind of appropriating the work that other people have done in these areas? Oh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> okay. I name a thing a thing, um, and then I and then I'll refer to you know the the person that I've spoken to about that because that's not my that's that's not my that's not my place. Um, I'm happy to. I had a great interview with Janelle Allen. We were talking about the inherent privilege cooked right into fake it till you make it. Like mm-hmm. how just how privileged you have to be that that is a reality. And so it's interesting because that, that, that of all of the lies of the imposter complex, and that is a lie of the imposter complex, that one gets me into the most trouble. And so it's been interesting to be like, well, here's the thing. It's according to a guest on my, my podcast. I mean, there's lots of different perspectives on this, but being able to say a person that I respect and admire has a different perspective on that. And you might want to go check that out without it being my own thing to run with, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I knew that was what you were going to say <laughs> because I know well, that's you- good. That makes me happy. That's very good. <laughs> well, right. Because I feel like that is the answer that has a lot of integrity. It also, I mean, just knowing how people and different social justice spaces talk about, you know, benefiting from the labor of other people and kind of appropriating it into your own work can be really problematic and privileged because you have this platform, not you, but the Mm, global, we, I should say, have this platform afforded to us, I think, as like you said, cisgendered white women and middle class, Mm. all of that, right? That if you start to bring these ideas into your own work, it can be really problematic and diminishing the voices that brought it up. And yet there's also the other flip side of this is that can always use a platform to uplift other people. And that actually, it doesn't make you look bad to refer to another person and to uplift them. It makes, it's like everybody benefits from that kind of energy. Absolutely. And, and thank you for naming that because that, that really is, um, that has been a a desire of mine as well. Uh, when I think about who I'm going to be talking to, I, I want it to be somebody that 
the audience, the listeners can engage with. So, so it usually will be a coach or will be an expert in that field because I really want to be able to make that connection for people. Uh, because again, I might not be, I might not be your teacher. I can be your teacher in this one very specific aspect, but I want that to be your teacher. And we are all each other's teachers, right? Like, I mean, really, like that's when I think about Ram Dass's, we're all just walking each other home. That's what I believe to be true. We are, we are all, you know, we are, and I know that with, uh, with my guests, they are experts in their work and here's their lived experience that they're sharing and they've got really helpful tools. And I know that I help them to understand where their own imposter complex has been in the way of, of amplifying their own message. And, and that feels, that just feels very beautiful to me. I love that. One of the things that really struck me is in the very introduction to your podcast, you say these conversations won't be perfect, but we're ready enough to have them. (laughs) So I just love it. If you'd share what ready enough means to you and what you want your audience to take away from that. It's so interesting because I also talk a lot about impeccability. And so that gets me into a lot of trouble, as you can imagine, because I'm talking about ready enough and then impeccability as well. And again, the imposter complex is pretty obsessed with um, perfectionism. So, you know, this, this really, it's like, again, trying to find that sweet spot between due diligence and, and perfection, which is completely ever elusive. So, you know, have, have you done your due diligence? Have you thought about, as many angles as possible, are you well supported in this, then you're probably ready enough. If you've got this desire, you, you've rec- you've done your own analysis. Uh, again, that analysis piece is so important. You know, if, you, if you've got some awareness, you've done the analysis, then you can take some action and it won't be perfect. And so how are you willing to make reparations if you make a mistake? Because you're going to make a mistake. No matter what you do, you're very high likelihood you're going to make a mistake. So if we are constantly waiting for, you know, perfection and we have no willingness to fail and we just don't want to stress test our resilience and we're not tenacious, then the, we can't, we have no sense of grounding. Uh, so for me, ready enough is really, you know, have I, have I dotted the I's and crossed as many T's as possible and it's just, it's personal, right? It's very personal, but the likelihood, if you are somebody who experiences the imposter complex, it's because you have strong values of mastery, integrity, and excellence. And the likelihood is excellent that you have done enough due diligence to go ahead and do the thing and say the thing and be prepared to make reparations if you make a mistake. I want to talk about that for a second because I actually said something ableist in this interview. <laughs> I don't know if you caught it. It has been like weighing on me right now because I'm thinking like Bring really it. Bridget. <laughs> So what do you do in that moment where you realize, oh, I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) Name the thing. Just name the thing. Okay. So I use the word dumb to describe a mistake that I made. And that is definitely ableist language. And I am very sorry. And uh, I'm working to remove some of that language from my vocabulary. And I slipped up. Yep. Great. That's it? (laughs) That's it. All right. When you were talking about that, I thought, all right, I'm just going to have to say it. Just like that. Just like that. And again, it's not, these aren't badges of honor. It's like, oh, that's a thing. And, and that's important to then model that. Um, I, as it happens, I missed it, but that's probably because I'm able-bodied, right? Um, So it's easy for the two of us to 
you know, to they're there, it's okay, it's okay, but I'm not really the one that can that can offer that. See, so we just need to name it. We are, we don't have right perfect language for anything. We don't have a there's no one way to do any of this. We can approximate it. We can just get better, do better. Um, as long as we keep having these conversations, I have a, you know, I think about integrity. I've got this model where I talk about integrity and presence and action being these three cornerstones of what I call unshakable confidence, which really helps you to move into um, impeccable impact. And, you know, I think about integrity and I, and I, I still don't have the right language for what you stand for and stand is very ableist. Um, So I, I just, and I, don't have the right language for it yet. And so I keep circling and, and asking and asking. And I remember getting my, um, when my baby was born, okay, there's a big old segue. Uh, she was quite sick for the first week. And um, I remember asking, you know, five different nurses. So the one thing I could do was swaddle her, but she had, she was very, she had lots of tubes and she was in an isolate and anyway, blah, blah, blah. But she, I could swaddle her. That was the one thing I was allowed to do. We were allowed to do it. I remember asking, you know, five different nurses and you literally would get eight different answers. <laughs> I was like, I just want the one thing. And there is no one right way to swaddle this child. There is no one right way to, to say the perfect thing. Um, and that's, again, that's, that's what the imposter complex and white supremacy and patriarchy insists upon is perfection. So we just need to be ready enough to, to approximate it, do as little harm as possible, be prepared to, to make reparations. And then we get closer and closer and closer. I really love that. I think the other thing I really wanted to ask you today is I know that your podcast is, it's still a little bit early. And I'm just wondering with that, have there been anything that's been really surprising for you or like an unexpected joy in doing these interviews? Well, I'll, I'll tell you an unexpected struggle that I have okay. beyond, you know, beyond the like, am I, I want to be smart. I want to be compassionate. I want to be, I want to be brilliant. I want to be all of the things. And so, um, and so I tend to get a little in my head, which I recognize is, that's my own, that's my own stuff. I really want to do right, which I get again, perfection. But what's interesting is as a coach, I really want to go there and be with the person that I'm interviewing with. And my, you know, my, my coach tendencies are to like go into and under something and that's not always appropriate. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's been really interesting for me. And then to try to remember that it's not about that person as much as it is about giving them voice to things that will be helpful to the listeners. So listening on those couple of levels has been a a unique and interesting challenge that I'm really leaning into and and trying to rise up to meet. Um, So that's been interesting. And I have been, uh, and so then, so then I always have this thing about like, I try to ask really light questions. I mean, not light, like L I T E, but, but a little lighter because I tend to forget that, you know, I, 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 I go deep. Um, and I remember having an interview with um, Bunny Mac McKenzie and they said that my questions were some of the most intense they'd ever been asked. Now, if you know Bunny McKenzie, wow. they are deeply wise, deeply grounded, deeply brilliant. So I was quite surprised because I thought that my questions were 
a little L-I-T-E. Um, so I was quite surprised to hear that no matter, you know, I can't help but go to those depths. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also this, actually what you're talking about, I feel like is something that I think about a lot because so there's two aspects here. There's one of, you want to be really present as an interviewer and yeah. go where the conversation takes you. And yet you also have an obligation to your audience to fulfill yeah. that kind of content promise you made for them. Exactly. And so going down too much of a, a rabbit hole actually, I think kind of breaks trust with mm. the audience, although often they're interested. It's like attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say that that is something as I'm starting my own podcast journey that I am really working on and looking at and trying to work through so I can completely <laughs> relate to that. Yeah. And I think if more podcasters actually thought of that as attention and, and, try to be conscious about it. That could be good. Um, I think it's a really strong interview skill to even be thinking about it. Yeah. And there's like, I think there's a difference between a deep question about the expertise that somebody is bringing to the table and the deep question in like that coaching sense, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's like, are you trying to draw out by asking them something deep that maybe they would love to be asked and nobody has brought it to them that gets below that kind of surface fluff and podcast is long form. So it lends itself to that versus kind of asking the the kind of question that like maybe would be illuminating in another way, but isn't about drawing out their expertise, but it's about helping them understand something new about themselves, which I think is maybe, maybe the difference. Bingo. Um, Bingo. And then the problem inherent with that though is consent. Mm -hmm. That's not that those are not, that's, those are not the rules of engagement that, that we've stepped into in that. So that's been the challenge for me, but then really, so and I, and I recognize where I've done it and I recognize, and, and we've, you know, I've had conversations with folks afterwards. Um, and definitely, I think from a, a, a listener experience, it can be very helpful and mm. something I'm really keeping an eye on. I do definitely feel though, that the less I'm in my head, the less I make it about me with the brilliant questions and the, the, <laughs> More laughing because I relate. <laughs> yeah, the more it flows, the more it's a, a, a great experience for for people. So that's been that's the lesson of my life, right? Get out of your head, and all the rest is you know the magic. The magic happens. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally see that. Uh, just a quick follow up question: There, have you ever had to cut anything out of an interview after something like that? Or I'm, I'm assuming not, but I'm no, curious. we've had moments where I've re-asked the question Mm. um but it's I've I've made it a point of if I make a gaffe or if it goes sort of sideways I reference that in the intro or the outro and I'll say hey like pay attention to where I, I, I screwed up and have a look at how I got myself out of that or I didn't get myself out of it or whatever it is, but we try very hard to not have to cut anything. I really like that. That is a really powerful technique where if you feel like, oh, maybe I've gone in the wrong direction as the host, you have the power to say, wait, let me start that over. (laughs) Let's, let's reframe that, um, that you have a, a lot of ability to make adjustments. So that's a really great learning. The last thing I wanted to ask you today, Tanya, is you've had an audience that has been following your work for a very long time. You have, you know, people who go through really in-depth programs with you um, to work on the imposter complex and how they show up in the world. And I'm just curious about what the response has been like from your audience with to the podcast and with you coming out with this kind of new kind of content. 
Um, I think I, <laughs> judging by the iTunes reviews that are very few and far between, because it's a, that a terrible at self promotion. I'm not going to lie, but the response has been fantastic. I know that people are looking forward to the next one, which will be with Ellie Trier uh, on neurodiversity. I know that people are really enjoying it, appreciating it, and also that authenticity, that vulnerability, that that I'm going into these conversations, uh, it would be very, very easy for me to stay in the land of <laughs> what's, what's, what's one of the super trite things that I have said in the past, like, um, just expect the best, like, it's <laughs> gay. like, I could totally do that. Mm, but I can't unsee that how, how problematic that can be. And, you know, I think that the other thing is, um, and I'll just, I'll just name this because I think it's important. One of the things that I've done, that I'm trying to undo is people pleasing, leaky boundaries, perfectionism, procrastination, diminishment, and comparison. They all get really, really, really bad raps and they make us feel very ashamed that we engage in these behaviors. And I really think it's important that we recognize that, that we have very, that those are values of humility um, can lead to diminishment. Um, if you are a marginalized person or oppressed person, your people pleasing is a method of survival. So I think that it's important to just to where you have been, where you have taken strong stands. I think it's important to go back and go, Ooh, and there's a lot more nuance. There's a lot more discernment. Let's, let's widen this out and look at it. And so I think that that's been really encouraging, you know, 90% of the people that pay attention to my work are coaches because they are working through their own imposter complex so that they can, present and lift their, you know, their clients up higher without being encumbered by the imposter complex. So I think this is an invitation for them to have a look at where they've been reductionist or, or overly, you know, oversimplifying very complex issues. So I think that that's been very encouraging. Well, Tanya, thank you so much. Part of the reason I wanted you to have you on is I had a writing coach for a while who used to talk about how the best writing and storytelling comes from when you're willing to just go to that place where you're so deeply uncomfortable yourself with the story you're telling. And mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, you talked about launching this podcast where in a place where you were feeling great discomfort and how you've worked through that, um, the tools that you have honestly developed through your work that you're able to bring here and interview skills. Like we got to talk about real hardcore interview skills for this too. Um, so it's been such a pleasure and a delight and I'm going to plug this for you. So you've been listening to Tanya Geisler and I talk for a while. Please, please go look up Ready Enough wherever you listen to podcasts listen to an episode and leave her a review because this is an amazing, amazing podcast and the reviews really help podcasters. I want to personally recommend three interviews that um, are really meaningful to me for various reasons. So the first interview with Desiree Attaway mm. is unmissable. You must go listen to that. Nicole Lewis Kieber is also someone that I've worked with for a long time. And so I've got to plug your conversation with her. And Stacey Jordan Shelton is a a delight and like a wonder of a human being. So I'm sure they're all like equally worthy of me calling out, but I'm calling out people that I personally feel connected to. And you can go again, look up ready enough anywhere you listen to your podcast, go to tanyageisler.com. Her podcast is on her website and please give it a listen, leave it a review because this is work that 
um, needs to be heard and, and leaving a review really helps with that. So I hope you'll do that for her. Thank you. This was um, such an absolute profound delight. I loved this conversation. I'm really, really grateful to you, really grateful for your encouragement back in the day when I was having this conversation and other people were like, why would you do that to yourself? And you were all go, go, go. Oh, oh I love that. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. (laughs) 